Welcome to the Wordsmith Podcast. I'm Josh Bennett, lead pastor of Awaken Church, joined today by worship pastor Matthew Grady Calhoun. Hey. Executive pastor Shane Suggs. Word up. And joined today by church planner friend to Missoula, Montana, Josh Hampton. Hello. And we are glad to be back for another episode of the Wordsmith Podcast. Let's just go ahead and get right out of the gate with our conversation card. I'm going to direct this straight towards Pastor Shane, then everybody else can answer. Pastor Shane? What's the most beautiful place you have ever been? I don't know necessarily. (laughs) I don't go anywhere, first of all. Like I don't I'm not a traveler. I've never been west of like Mississippi. Well, I did go to Oklahoma one time, but uh, I mean I saw the road. Yeah, dude, I don't I don't I don't look at places like, oh man, this is just so beautiful. I just that's not something I normally do. But I, I do one okay, one time when we were at the beach. Uh, I remember looking out, and you know, you, you can look out on the beach and see the curve of the earth. Yeah. And I I sat there in awe, like, man, this this is a really cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say Panama City Beach. Okay, as long as you didn't say St. Simons. I'm like, the most beautiful place you've ever been is St. Simons. I'm sorry. I don't know that the Redneck Riviera is any better. <laughs> it's it's only slightly better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I don't, that's, that's my answer, I guess. Mm-hmm. We lived in the mountains when I was in North Alabama. We looked out over, um, it was called Bald Rock. That's a pretty cool, you can see the entire Talladega National Forest, or as it's pronounced there, Talladega National Forest. That was a pretty cool site. The most beautiful place I have ever been, and we've been fortunate to travel to some pretty beautiful places, and I do stop, wow, this place is beautiful. But um, ours would be in Cuba. So in 2005, um, Ashley and I were in college, part of a team that went to Cuba, Cuba in and of itself is not a beautiful place, but we were at a pastor's house and he said, you guys want to go to the beach? And we're like, oh yeah, sure. So we walked through this kind of jungle deal and we get out at this cove, like lagoon, I guess would probably be the right term. And I mean, it was absolutely stunning. It's not commercialized. You know, people aren't trading in and out of there and it's just this beautiful little lagoon. In fact, just for comparison's sake, we went one time to Megan's Bay and St. Thomas Virgin Islands, which National Geographic called one of the top 10 most beautiful beaches in the world. And it, that place did not even compare to this little beach in Cuba. Because I remember looking at Ashley going, they haven't been to no name Cuba, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, man, it was just really cool. And, and we swam and um, played around in the water, walked around the beaches. And just to see what some of those places, to me, some of the most beautiful places are places nobody else sees. You know, like maybe you go hiking up in some sure. mountains where you're like, there's a payoff to be able to see this. You can't just rent a tram or whatever, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So that was definitely the most beautiful place I've ever been. Yeah, it's hard to go against the Grand Canyon. By no means impossible, but I mean, it just, especially when we were there. And we've heard, y'all have heard the story before, of course. The, the most romantic moment Pastor Matt and I have ever had together. Definitely, by far. By far. But just for the sake of being difficult and weird, I am going to go another direction. I, I've mentioned before I like the American West. I've had a little bit of experience with it, not nearly as much as Pastor Josh. But man, I just really like New Mexico. And I'm talking about the desert part. I'm, I didn't even really go to like they have caverns and all these other beautiful mountains and whatnot. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but there was just something about the desert. I don't know if it was just so utterly and completely different from everything I've ever experienced but prior to that or not. But I just, I remember thinking, man, this is great. Like this is, they undersell how awesome the desert is. <laughs> it really is. And I'm sure there's parts of it that are great and awful. But um, it was just, I'm trying to think, it was between Hobbs and Roswell. So it was some a stretch of land between there. I just remember thinking, man, this is great. You didn't yeah. see aliens, right? I saw Because Roswell's, Roswell's the alien. Yes. Yeah. Okay, statues yeah, so. and figurines of aliens, but not oh, okay. actual aliens. Oh, so. man. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize this if you haven't been to the desert. The desert is different. Mm-hmm. Like every like New Mexico desert and Arizona desert and even like southern Arizona versus mid-Arizona or what, um, western Arizona, all the deserts are different. And um, Albuquerque, I think, or not necessarily Albuquerque, but New Mexico, their deserts to me are beautiful. There's lot, just a lot of shadows and a lot mm-hmm. of um, neat rock formations and stuff. There was a sign at this place we used to go in Arizona that said, the desert is just as beautiful as everyone everywhere else. It just takes a little while to see it. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I always loved that quote. Yeah. Yeah. We had a little place called Sanctuary Cove, and it was a one-mile hike, and there were little prayer stations and stuff. It was a really cool little place. And that was one of the sayings at one of the stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for me, so it's uh, living in Montana. Montana is just a beautiful state, but specifically uh, Glacier National Park. 
uh, absolutely just a breathtaking, stunning place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but within Glacier National Park, uh, you have Manny Glacier Hotel uh, right up on the Canadian border. And off of Manny Glacier Hotel is a little trail called Grinnell, Grinnell Glacier Trail. And it's one mm-hmm. of the most grueling trails. It's six miles up, six miles back. Ooh. Had a buddy talk me into it. Didn't know what he was thinking, but, <laughs> but we hiked it anyways. Took all day and you get up top <clears throat> and it is the most pristine, quiet, uh, hands down the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Uh, not many people make it up there. It's just kind of very remote. Uh, you can see over into Canada, off into Montana. Mm. Uh, you see two different glaciers from up there. Excuse me, the water is just absolutely blue, blue, blue. Uh, of course, mm. it's absolutely freezing. It's like a freezer. Right. I mean, you can't you can't get <laughs> in it. Uh, but it is just one of the most quiet, serene, beautiful places that I've ever been. Hands down, the most beautiful place I've ever been. Mm. So, Pastor Shane, when you go to Glacier, stop. And go, this place is beautiful. And take that in for a second. <laughs> so next do, time you will have an answer to this yeah, question. Yeah, I will do my best. I just, I don't go anywhere. I don't really do much, like, traveling or anything like that. It's just not, it's just not what we do. I uh, never have. I mean, sure. my family didn't. Yeah, know. but, so as we were answering these questions, you've been to the Grand Canyon. You've been to the desert. You've been to beaches and mountains. But Yeah, I'm, I'm usually busy doing something. I don't. <laughs> there you go. We are glad to have our friend Josh with us on the podcast today. Josh, we'd love for you to take a few minutes to tell people about yourself, how you came to know Christ, how you became a church planner, a little bit about your work there in Missoula as well. Yeah, man. So like like Josh said, my name is Josh Hampton. Uh, I've been in Missoula, Montana now for three and a half years, uh, church planning, uh, part of a church planning team there, church planning with my mom and dad, and then my wife and my two kids. Uh, came to the faith at an early age of uh, 10 years old, grew up a Preacher's kid, so it was kind of one of those things. It was inevitable, just a matter mm-hmm. of time till I got saved. But I remember it like as yesterday. It was a Sunday night. I had been under conviction. I think my dad had spoke on hell or something. You know, when most <laughs> of us get saved, we get sure, scared to death, yeah, right? Yeah. I went home and uh, getting ready for bed that night, laying in the bed, kind of upset. It was something my dad had said, and we started the conversation. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior right there. My dad led me to Christ, and uh, that, that, that started a journey that. Never thought would end up in Missoula, Montana, planning a church. Uh, but that is where God has called us. Like I said, we've been there about three and a half years now. We launched last year, uh, Summit Church. And, uh, man, church is growing. Uh, people are coming to know Christ. People are being baptized. Uh, just excited at what's not what I'm doing or not what my family's doing, but what God is allowing mm-hmm. us to go on the journey with Him uh, to see people uh, come to know Christ uh, uh, just through, through our efforts and get to see that fruit. Uh, Missoula, Montana is a really weird place, just to be honest with you guys. It's a hippie town. Um, It's a town of about 80,000 people. Um, It's a melting pot for society. Uh, So being a southern Tennessee boy, uh, I don't stick out too terribly much uh, just because uh, it is a melting pot uh, from all over the country. Uh, So that has played a huge role. Uh, advantage uh, in moving there and planning a church. Um, we're kind of kind of like you guys here at Awaken. We're kind of ahead of the eight ball. Uh, the Lord blessed us. We were able to buy a building very very early on in the church planning process, which is not necessarily the atypical route. Sure. Uh, but God blessed us with that. Uh, so we have a permanent church home. Um, and ever since we put up that church sign and started having churches uh, church services every Sunday, uh, almost weekly we have first time guests. So God is just absolutely blessing us yeah, there awesome. at Summit Church. Yeah, that's awesome. We're thankful to have you with us today and thankful for what you're doing there in Missoula. Let's go ahead and dive into the text today. Josh, could you read for us 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-6? through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. But every spirit does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Well, there's a lot of mention in these six verses of spirits. Mm. And in fact, just quick counting, I think I counted eight mentions in these six verses of spirit or spirits and not each one referring to the same um, types of spirit. But he comes out in verse one and tells us to test the spirits. 
What does he mean? How, how do you test spirits? More importantly, why is that even what he's mentioning here? One of the ways that they would have done it is, uh, I mean, he mentions in the text, you know, um, what is their confession? Do they confess that, that Christ came here in bodily form? Which, which would lead me to think maybe some of the false teachers that were in the church were Gnostic. But Gnostic teachers, false teachers, their uh, doctrine was that everything that is of the Spirit is good and everything that, it, that is physical is bad. So therefore, Jesus could not have come in bodily form. So that's what they were teaching. He, he was not here. So that's why it leads me to believe that, that that's the type of teacher, false teacher, that uh, John was warning them. Maybe it's some of the teachers that were causing problems uh, in the church at that time. Because without the bodily, in, in the incarnation of Christ, you don't have the gospel. So it's a very important tenet of the gospel. So that's one way that, that yeah. he was t teaching them to, this is how you test. This whole thing is a lesson in discernment sure. and trying to discern who are false prophets, who are legitimate prophets and teachers and, and who's proclaiming the way of God. One of the things that Daniel Aiken says um, here, I think is kind of helpful. He says, behind every prophet, every proclamation, there's an energizing spirit. And that's what um, John is trying to get you to discern and to decipher and to test that spirit to say, is this, is this from God? Is this in accordance and in alignment with the scriptures? Or is this, you know, something else? Is it a false teaching? Mm -hmm. Is it a, a misdirection from the gospel, anti-gospel, those kinds of things? Yeah, part of it, it, obviously context always matters. Context here, we have to remember, they didn't have Bibles. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 were going off of what the, the apostles taught and things that the Spirit revealed to them uh, in that time and that place to their elders and to their leaders. So this was, in some ways, more necessary at that time. However, I would argue this is still very much necessary in this day and age. Even have the Word, and the Word is complete, the canon is, is closed. I believe that entirely. But I still think... Sometimes we can get over-intellectualized in the sense that as long as somebody says the right things, they, they check off all the boxes, then they're good to go. But, I mean, again, John is hammering in this letter this idea, if you, if you do not love your brothers, you are not of God, right? So part of this is that we also need to, it, looking for the energizing spirit, we need to look and see how is this person living their life. Again, we're not asking them to be perfect. We're not asking them to never struggle with sin. Everyone does. But there's a, a general walk to go back to that word. There's a general way that they live their life. And we need to look at that, not simply just what they're saying, but also that as well. And yeah. again, not to minimize what they, what they say is still very important as well. But it's kind of the balancing of those two things. Yeah. Well, it even makes me think of the seminar we went to yesterday with Larry Osborne. He went through 1 Corinthians 13 and he made the comment, if you take out the, the phrases about love and you go, this person is doing all these different things, you go, man, that person's spot on. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of that passage is if you do all these great things, but you have not love, then yes. you're just a clanging symbol. That's right. Nothing. You, it means nothing. And so that, that's echoing what John is teaching here as well. And um, I think that is an important part of testing the spirits. Yeah, I agree with Pastor Matt here a lot that, you know, this is a very practical passage too. John is telling them test. But kind of my interpretation is is, there are sheep out there that are in wolf's clothing, um, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and he is very practical, just like Paul in uh, First Celest, First Thessalonians five, I think it's twenty and twenty one, um, when he's warning them, you know, hey, test everything, test yeah. everything, and and we still have, we're, we're still being tested today. There are um, people out there that that want to deceive us and mm -hmm. and, and want to get us called up to stumble. Yeah, well, and then in such an age where information is so readily accessible. And where anybody can put anything anything out there. So you maybe catch a social media video real quick. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm telling you something. You got to quickly begin to decipher. And that, you know, I've just kind of become the point where I just swipe through anything that is uh, claiming to be a Christian message because I don't want to go through the work of testing that spirit. I just rather not listen to it. I go to where I I can trust. That's right. You know, and so you know that may be practical advice to you as you're listening to this is to just be careful because there are so many things out there and so many mistruths, half-truths that can lead you away from the truth of the gospel. And one of the ways that he says that we discern this or to test the spirits is by what the spirits are confessing, as Pastor Shane mentioned. So verse 2 and 3 talks about this. What does it mean to confess Christ? How can we tell if a spirit is truly confessing Christ? What are we looking for? 
because a misreading of this text could say, well, anybody that mentions Jesus is the good guys. No, sure. And anybody that doesn't is the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But that's not truly what he's meaning here. So what is what is he meaning? Yeah, I think, well, Matt's probably the more, uh, out of all of us, would be the more <laughs> familiar with, because confession isn't something that, like, isn't like, hey, you did a crime, you got to confess it. That's not, like, the church has always used confessions from from the writing of the Bible hmm. throughout the history of the church. We sure. have always um, done confession. I'm just saying Matt's probably more familiar with that whole thing of, of the confessions that we've, and, and we even did a um, series. Yeah, we did. I think it was called Creed. <laughs> it was uh, called Creed. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and that's, that's essentially that is a confession. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you're saying what you believe, like um, in a confession. In a confession, I believe would uh, fit more properly in a in a public congregational setting. That's normally how confessions were were said and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lived out. It wasn't. It, it's not a private uh, doing it in my heart type of thing. That's yes, not what a confession yes. is. This is like this is. This is how I live. This is what I believe. I know that's kind of vague. But. Pastor Matt, why don't you give us a good definition of these confessions of faith? Well, uh, I mean, in the formal liturgical sense, right? Um, a confession is these are these are these sort of foundational, bare bone beliefs of the church that has been held throughout the ages or whatever. Uh, the Apostles' Creed is a great example. Uh, the Nine-Scene Creed, which is actually the one that's most widely used throughout the world, they're both a great examples of this. Like these are foundational; we have to hold to these things. There, uh, if you deviate from this, you are outside of orthodoxy or right thought, and it needs to either be corrected or you need to be shown the door. Uh, one yeah. of those two things. Yeah, and, com- conf- and correct me if I'm wrong, but confessions are usually centered around the person of Christ. Correct. I mean, they're not necess- uh, really the entire Godhead, honestly. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not necessarily like you know, love your neighbor. It's not. It's not yeah. those sort of like Christian doctrine and practices. It's more like the Godhead or Christology or yeah. something around uh, salvation. It's it's kind of centered around the the center, and everything else flows from sure, that. Yeah. It's not. It's not meant to be an all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and these creeds were created as a way to kind of keep the church online and in track and to make sure mm-hmm. that you were believing the central and foundational elements of the gospel. So we can look at the very early church and go, hey, here's the Apostles' Creed, and then we can read it, sing it, preach about it here at our church because mm-hmm. these are still the foundational truths of the gospel. And it, in and of itself, these creeds become a way of testing the spirits. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, if, if you, I'm listening to somebody and they say something that's in con. Tra- or is contrary to what I read in the mm-hmm. creeds, you know. For mm-hmm. for example, let's say they say that Jesus is not virgin born. Sure. So okay, I'm a huge red flag that this is not sure. a true confession of Christ. Mm-hmm. And now I don't think any of us are alluding to the fact that in this he's talking about these confessionals that we're familiar no, with no. because sure. that would have been before that. But what he is saying is that you need to make sure one of the ways that you test the spirits is is what they are saying about Christ true and accurate. Mm-hmm. Because if that is true and accurate, then the things that flow from that's probably going to be accurate as well. And if they're inaccurate, then stop listening. So yeah. Get out the, you know, <laughs> yeah. If you start get a, out the door. If you start yeah. with a bad foundation, it's just you can't build anything on a bad foundation. You know. No, absolutely. I think it's pretty strong though that, that um, right after this, he basically says, "Hey, those those who aren't right telling the truth about Christ, who Christ is, those are antichrist. Those are." Yeah. And the, the spirit of the Antichrist, and it's already in the world, and so I think that's that's pretty strong. Like yeah. you know, uh, right. he's well, not just like, hey, they they got a couple of things wrong. Like they're Antichrist, right? Sure. They're opposed to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, false teachers are not just a little <clears throat> offline; they're leading you away from the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The freedom thereof. And so, even in this context, we talk about Gnosticism. So when they hear about Jesus and they hear the phrase that Jesus was not in flesh, that he was not an actual human being, that okay. We can test that spirit pretty quickly that that is not in, in line with the confession of the church of who Jesus is and what the gospel teaches us as well. So, um, In verse 4, he goes on to talk about how they had conquered these false prophets. Well, let's kudos to them. Great job conquering the false prophets. So how do we conquer false prophets? And we're going to deep dive in a few minutes, you know, kind of very practically how we as believers can make sure that, that we're testing the spirits and staying away from false teachers in our lives. But... Um, how do we conquer those false teachers? 
Well, he, he alludes to it in in the same verse. It's, it's we didn't he didn't actually say this, but you have basically have the spirit of truth. You've you've conquered mm-hmm. the lie by the spirit of truth, because he says the one that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Mm-hmm. So when I think about the words of Paul, he said, "You know in whom you have believed. Like you know the Christ. You know what you've heard. You know what mm-hmm. you've been taught. And knowing that helps you in conquering the false prophets." Because how are you going to test the confession if you don't know the confession? That's right. Yeah. You know how do you, how are you going to say? Well, I don't. Is what they're saying about Jesus real mm-hmm. or not real? Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some practical. Ways yeah, I was going to say. Next, um, I was going to say that even this hits another one of those themes we've seen throughout the letter is that he's emphasizing this is the apostolic teaching. This is what we handed down once handed down. Right. You have to stay in that. You guys are already there. He's saying you're in it. Sure. The Spirit yeah. is in you. You've, you've trusted. Believe. Don't deviate. Don't entertain these deviations from what we have already taught and what the church at this time had been teaching for many years at this point. Yeah, yeah and, and like Matt, I think it was Matt that said it earlier, like, yeah, they didn't have, like, the the Word of God, the complete Word of God, mm-hmm. you know, um, in their hand as we have readily available today. But I, I, we don't want to confuse you and make you think they weren't familiar with these teachings of the gospel. They were familiar yes. with the teachings of the apostle apostles and and what they had said. Mm-hmm. So um and, and it's even possible they had some some things written down um as far as like uh teachings well, and, and mean, that sort of thing. So even you know some of the students of the students of John had listed twenty four books and letters that they Right. They weren't just from, wandering you know? around the dark is is what I'm getting <laughs> at. They had yeah. something um that they had something that they could that they can compare what false teachers were teaching. They have something they can compare it against, either, you know, the the apostolic teaching or some some things that the apostles had already started to yeah. to write and, and these sort of things. You know, I didn't get into a tenth study of the word um, conquered here, but as I'm thinking about this conquered, um, having conquered false teachers, I'm thinking about an episode of the Big Bang Theory, and it's they're talking about Back to the Future. And they get lost in this, like if something had changed, they were trying to figure out the timelines. And Leonard says when he placed, and he was talking about when they had placed bets, and Sheldon said, hold on, is that the right tense? And then they worked over a while, and he's like, okay, have had, will have placed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so when I, the reason I think about it is this word conquered. They had conquered false teachers, but there will be more false teachers. It's sure. not like, okay, we have won this level. We have moved on from false teachers. Mm-hmm. You have conquered. And you have had will conquered, and you mm-hmm. continue to conquer mm-hmm. um, false teachers because they're sure. always going to be coming um, in our lives, and we need to be ready for it to make sure we stay true to the true gospel. Yeah. What responsibility do we have then as believers, especially as pastors, as teachers, as leaders, to help protect others from false teachers? Well, we as pastors, I think that's an easier, maybe not an easier call, but I mean it's, it's a more direct call. Like we, we have to preach the truth. We, yeah. we have to... We have to study, we have to uh, prepare, and we have to preach the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no matter whether it's in a small group setting or from the stage or however that may may be. And I, and I think it even goes like Matt, right? And, and everybody knows he's he's pretty meticulous, I think, about picking out songs. And I think it's sure. he, he does his best to pick songs that really say something and speak the truth. Um, so I think all of that sort of stuff, adding responsive readings into the service, uh, w- when we pray, when we fellowship, we that those all of those I think work mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean kudos to that because that would be somewhere go. What what does it matter if a lyric's a little off point of scripture? Well, it's opening up that avenue of false teaching because maybe somebody hears a song at our church and it's got some bad theology in it. Sure. Then they hear a false teacher preaching on something that, oh yeah, I, yeah, I hear that verse at our church, mm-hmm. so you know, maybe and, and I don't know I know it sounds bad. I don't know exactly how true this is. But you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. But a a large like the masses, a lot of people get their theology from the music they sing in church. Oh yeah. No, um, sure. And, and they base their beliefs off of some of this. So if those things are thought false, they're going to it's gonna the 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 song that has the false lyrics has an inroad mm-hmm. and and it hits deeper in you than yeah. than a message does because you remember that song yeah. way longer than you hear messages uh, much of the time so oh, so yeah. the music you sing is really really important 
Yeah, it, um, I think that's true. It, there's something, and I, I talked about this in a sermon uh, several weeks ago. But there, yeah, there is something. It's so weird. We don't. There's not really a good explanation of it. But the the Paul is a perfect example of this. He saw that us singing songs, singing praises to God um, for what He has done, is doing, will do. It is not this deviation from the important stuff. It is part of the important stuff. Yeah. It, it it has a place there. Um, and I think, again, that's a good point. We've used the example before. Um, you don't remember most of the meals you've ate in your life. You remember very few of them. But they still sustained you. They still brought you right. to where you're at. Sure. And, and the preach word is much the same way. I don't remember most of the sermons I've heard. I don't remember most of the sermons I preached. Um, but they helped me get through and, and, and um, get me to where I'm at and, and have helped grow me to where I'm at now. And likewise, we want to balance those two things, and we want to be mindful. And that's why, I, that's why, and many of you don't know, that's why we, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, sermon series, when, when to actually preach certain sermon series, and it's for the spiritual growth. Like we, we could say, all right, we're going to preach in Genesis for the next three years, but then you don't get a healthy diet of Scripture. Um, we think we should preach from several different genres, Sure. Of uh, of scripture, yeah. Um, because that's that's healthy for the body of Christ. It's healthy mm-hmm. for the uni- unification, the unity of the body of Christ, the the growth, the spiritual maturity, all of that sort of thing. So a lot of thought goes into it, and a lot of thought needs to to go into it. I, I don't yeah. know about y'all, Josh. Like, um, do you, do you and your dad do y'all kind of do y'all plan out your series like ahead of time, kind of? doing that or? yeah absolutely and you know i think even as uh pastors too <clears throat> josh kind of alluded to this pastor josh alluded to this a second ago um in a different question we almost have to protect ourselves as pastors too a little bit more mm-hmm, like yeah. our, our radar our radars go a little bit deeper into things and even i was just thinking you know laying in bed scrolling through social media as a pastor sure. um leading a flock being a leader of other people in order to lead them properly, I have to protect my own heart and my own soul mm-hmm. uh, from false teachers just yeah. a little bit more, uh, because you know we're at the end of the day we're humans. We can we can fall into that oh, that sure. rabbit hole. Yeah, right. um, so yeah. we have to really protect ourselves. I think you know that talking about systematic teaching and preaching is so important, as opposed to I guess you call it headhunting preaching, um, where it's like, hey, somebody's dealing with this. Let me preach on that. Oh, I saw this go on. Let me preach on that. Man, that's some dangerous ground <laughs> to get very... into. Mm-hmm. Um, and but systematically going, and, and that's the thing is like a staff when we sit down, and some of you may be wondering, how you know how do we decide sermon series? Like we're trying to get a, a balance of a healthy diet, you know, right. kind of like when you put a meal together, you go, I'm not just eating all mashed potatoes and corn and bread for dinner. Right. We're, we're trying to get a balance in a diet, and so it, our it kind of starts for us. We sit down and go, okay, what do we want to make sure we preach on? Pastor Matt right. mentioned this a few weeks ago. We need. We need some more Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure we're getting teaching and on this. Just, just so y'all know, all of our listeners, and this is particularly for those at Awaken, kind of how the sermon series come about. Many people may think, well, Josh just kind of determines the sermon series and what we're going to preach, and then me, him, and Matt kind of divide that up. That's that's not how it works here. Um, nobody gets every series in. We all bring certain ideas certain, um, hey, I'd, I'd like us to preach on this or on that. We all bring ideas to the table, and nobody gets everything they want mm-hmm. in you know that <clears throat> preaching year, that calendar year, not even Josh as the lead pastor, because uh, because we, we bring it all to the table, and we're like, okay, we feel like when, we, when the process is done, we feel like, okay, this is a healthy diet for those we are meant to lead. And, and you know, not to say that um, somewhere down the road, we don't tweak some of those um, ideas and those series and and that sort of thing, um, depending on whatever season the church itself is in. But that that's kind of a revealing kind of behind the scenes on yeah. on how you know we come up with series. We really address this from the pastoral perspective, but now we go okay. Somebody's listening to this; they're in our church. How do they help protect other people? Um, and so I'm thinking of lots of different contexts. Let's say like a mother or father. How do I protect my family mm-hmm. from that? How do I protect friends? You know, maybe when do I address concerns? Things like that. Well, I mean, one thing, uh, I don't know if it's the first thing or second thing, third thing, but one of the things you guys can do, if you hear something that sounds off to you and you just don't understand it, you're not confident in it, 
I mean, our pa- your pastoral staff, we exist in part for that. Yes. We're here to shepherd sure. you. Yeah. We want to help you. So if there's ever anything or some speaker or something like that that you got concerns about, I mean, reach out to us. We, we're, we're pretty good about responding to people. I know all three of us have had people ask about this group or that person or, or something along those lines before. Right. So, I mean, one, come to us. And then two, always it's fun to hunt for witches. Yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, like the the Salem witch trials, the the people who got burnt and killed in those things, they weren't witches. Yes. <laughs> or the vast majority weren't. They were people, innocent people who got caught up in things. So yeah. don't be zealous, yes, but be careful, be measured, sure, be yeah. slow to speak, so to speak. Well, and one dis- distinction I think that needs to be drawn, and I was going to bring bring this up in the deep dive, but I think now is probably a better time. <laughs> there is a difference between a false teaching and an incorrect teaching. Mm-hmm. A false prophet, false teacher does not have the spirit of Christ. Their basic confessions of Christ are false and inaccurate, and they are leading people away from the gospel. We have all, at some point, taught things that we look back and went, that was wrong. I I was wrong about that. I didn't understand this passage. There there is that healthy distinction, and I think what Pastor Matt's saying here is, don't go after every inaccurate teaching and go, false prophet! (laughs) False prophet! But at the same time, Let's let's look. Yes. If this if there's a, a pastor preacher, no matter how good they sound, mm-hmm. if if they're consistently drawing people away from the truth and the confessions of Christ, then that is that's an area of concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And always remember this: if you're a follower of Christ, that you have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit will will give you. Now, now, some people have the spiritual gift of discernment, but. But I believe the Holy Spirit will convict and will discern and will teach and guide. I mean, we we believe these things, mm-hmm. and and these things actually flesh out in our life in some of those areas of false teaching. I mean, there's there's sometimes that you may be going down a road and uh, like with a teacher, you're like, man, they're just they're so charismatic, they're well spoken, and and you know yeah. most of what they say, I, I feel like it's true, but I'm not. Sure, and then I, th- I think the Holy Spirit will will prompt us, like yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's we're leading into the deep deep dive. So we'll take a break here, in just a second. And we'll come back for our deep dive. deep dive and the deep dive today is just going to continue this thought that we've been talking about and it's what are some practical ways that we can protect ourselves from false teachers and pastor shane um, finished just a minute ago in in a great thought about the holy spirit that that is that is ultimately our guide Mm -hmm. and you know even my wife she was telling me last night a conversation she had had um, with another believer who had been sitting under some preaching and she said it just didn't sit well with my spirit or it didn't sit well with me like and it made me begin to question and, and look. And so when those things happen, that becomes a, a red flag or a, an alarm. Yeah. You go, hold on just a minute. And so what are some practical things that we can look for, that we can do um, to protect ourselves from false teachings and false teachers? Well, I think a sort of foundational aspect of this is to be in the Word yourself. Yes, um, It's easy to look over that. And we'll obviously be talking about that all the time. Just keep talking about it because it's yes. kind of important. You you need to spend time meditating on the word. You need to spend time thinking on what um, God has said. How do you apply it to your life? How do you understand it? Uh, podcasts like these help that. So I think that's kind of the, your your first step or whatever. Is you can't say, "Hey, that's wrong," if if you don't actually know at least yes. that those foundational truths. Yeah. Well, and you can get that. that oh, I don't know if that's right. Oh, that doesn't sound right. And then you go back to the truth. Mm-hmm. All right, let me go back to what does God's word say about this? And that becomes that healthy system of, of checks and balances for you as a believer mm-hmm. from these false teachers. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Josh, there's there's difference between a like a there's a difference also, I think, between a false teaching and a false teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um as you said earlier, because I mean anybody can you know, you get it wrong. Like, here's the deal. Like, I, I tell you, I've been studying eschatology lately. You know, that's kind of my thing this year. Here's the deal. Like, 
Only one person can be right. I mean, only one thought on that can be right. And everybody else necessarily has to be wrong. Or actually, all of us could be wrong. Like, there, yeah. none of them are actually yeah. uh, right. And so it, when it's all said and done, you could say, well, that, that was a false teaching. But uh, again, we, we said earlier, like, to, to be a false teacher, I think it it's really centered around salvation and the person of Christ and, and the Godhead itself. Right. Because here's the deal, like every, every you know, because you have so many different denominations, their interpretation is going to be different on sure. certain doctrines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you could say everybody but one would be a false teacher if, right. if you went by that criteria. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yes. I, I think we had to, we had to kind of, understand like what's what what are they saying and that's a a big part of what john gets to here like what are they saying about christ yeah you know the person of christ and so i think i think we start there because if they get that wrong they're going to get a lot of other things wrong but if you get that right you may get some other things wrong but you can still be on the right road yeah yeah i think one thing to watch out for is when pastors or preachers are dogmatic about everything Mm -hmm. And so, like, as an internal struggle, I try to be dogmatic about the things I can be dogmatic about. So we talk about death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the foundational elements, these things that we can find in the creeds. I try to be extremely dogmatic about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if, you, if I'm preaching something where half the Christian world is on one side and the other half is on the other side, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that. Yeah, because sure. I, right. I, I'm going to be firm in it, but I'm going to use words like, I believe this to be true. I believe these things... You know, almost like Paul says, look, I'm saying this, not Christ, <laughs> you know, in right. First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And But if there are some some guys, and I'm not even thinking of anybody particular in this, but they're just dogmatic sure. about everything. That, to me, is, is kind of a red flag when that sure. happens because you can be unintentionally leading people astray in that. Yeah, John Newton was talking about Paul one time, and he said Paul was a reed in non-essentials and iron in the essentials. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Something we say at uh, Summit Church, we encourage our people weekly, and we say, you know, Christianity is a thinking religion. Yeah, it's it's hard work. Um, it requires work on our part, and we encourage our people to think. Uh, don't yeah. just come to church and blindly follow Pastor Josh yeah. <laughs> into wherever I go. It requires you to go home and think, and and you know, use God's word applicable in your life as a roadmap to get you where you need to go. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the differences between churches and cults. Because cults squash any sort of disagreement. They squash any sort of, even the smallest deviation, they squash any sort of challenging. Whereas the church, we're confident, and this is what Christ has done for us. This is what he's revealed. This is what the church has taught for 2,000 years. So if you have a, a, we have a small disagreement on baptism or how you practice the Lord's Supper or something like that, let's sit down and talk because we're brothers in Christ. We can can hash this out, and we may not come to the same conclusion, but we can still charitably and with love deal with this issue or whatever we're disagreeing on. It's not uniformity we want. We want unity. And and that's why it's okay to sit under a preacher that you don't agree with everything that they say. But it's not okay to sit under a preacher who you don't agree with the essentials. That's right. Absolutely. You know, um, I kind of had a breakthrough in this area in my small group last week. I want to tell you all about. Um, I was about, uh, as far as false teachings and false teachers, it's always been a struggle for me to correct people gently. Mm Mm-hmm. Because my my the way I'm just I'm, I'm wired is like I'm I'm more like we've talked in our discussion question like I don't and I, maybe I should stop and see the beauty and things like I'm not I'm more practical pragmatic like mm-hmm. what put me something in front of me I can do right. those sort of things so my my first inclination is, look that's 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 stupid like <laughs> you should not believe that because it's just it's just dumb yeah um, I can appreciate that but uh and and I want to name names. I just want to say, hey, look, do not follow this person. They are a false teacher. And I, and I think maybe there's times and places for that sure, sort of thing. Sure, um, yeah. Not that we should never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was last week, I was, like, I was about to say it, and I caught myself. And I said, guys, we're just going to move on. I said, because I want to say something here about false teachings. I said, but I don't think it's wise right now. So we're going to move on with our discussion. Maybe I shouldn't even have brought attention to it maybe i should have just moved on but but uh i said look i'm, I'm just trying to be more wise about these sort of yeah. things because man there's so many out there and i just like why like how can you listen to this person is what i want to say mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but anyway well and, and when i'm thinking about this area one of the things that i keep trying to bring is thinking about red flags and for me another red flag for 
Paul's here. If you're listening to somebody that constantly comforts you in your sin, in other words, makes you feel good about sinning, mm-hmm. makes you feel, oh, I, I don't have to get this right, or oh, I don't have to try to draw closer to Christ. That's a huge red flag to me as well. There are some people that do that. Absolutely. Yeah. If they're telling you to have your best life now. Yeah. Let, let's wrap this up with, with your interpretations or thought on the phrase um, tickling of ears that Paul talks about to Timothy. What do you think it means? To tickle the ears, because he taught, you know, obviously yeah, talking about yeah, false yeah. teachers there. Yeah, tickling I, ears. I, well, plain reading be, you know, people who tell you what you want to hear. Yes, man, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there are people who do that, but there are, man, there are people get some teachers, like the really good false teachers, they they cover that up really well, mm-hmm. you know. They sort of tell you what you want to hear, but they tell you a little bit about <clears throat> what you don't want to hear just to kind of cover that up a little bit, you know. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of our buddy Jim. Uh, we were all walking around Bass Pro yesterday. Yeah. And uh, he gets snatched by one of those guys trying to sell sell a condo, right? And Jim's like, it sounds so good. They're going to give me $400. Oh, the time's there, yeah. And they're yeah. going to give me $400 in cash. Uh, five nights is only $179 for all five nights. Two meals. It sounds so good. But we all know there's a hook, line, and sinker coming. Yeah. And we have to be careful for those, yeah. those false prophets out there, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing that when I think about tickling of ears, you almost always hear it from an extremely conservative branch talking about liberal preachers. Sure. Right. The thing that I always think is I think that pendulum swings both ways. Oh, I yeah. think there's a lot of tickling of ears in legalistic churches. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of amens, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's just they're yeah. they're just telling them what they want to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that's the definition: <clears throat> just telling people what they want to hear, whether it's on one end of the pendulum or the other. Yeah, right. um, sometimes, like, I'll listen to people, and, man, I, sometimes I'm overly critical and cynical, but he's still working on me, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. but, like, I'll hear, and I'm like, I feel like they just said that to get applause, like, when I'm yeah. listening to somebody. Mm-hmm. And and here's the deal. It, it could be it could be on a more liberal end of Christianity or a much more conservative end. I've seen some really... Conservative, conservative pastors that I, I'm, I'm, I believe are godly men. Okay, I just want to say that. But I've heard them preach, and I've heard them say things that I'm like, they just did that for applause. They, mm, they, yeah. they're playing to their crowd. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely nothing to do with the scripture they are preaching. They just, yeah. and I'm like, like that really bugs me. Yeah. Um, this was highlighted for me several years ago, man, probably a decade or so ago. At our national convention one year, um, Jeff Manning preached one night, and he preached on pastoral struggles. And, I mean, he preached on something that probably half the people in the room, of, of all the things he mentioned, were struggling with in one way or another. And you hear a pin drop. There's nobody, no response visually, you know. And then the next night, this guy gets up and preaches. And, and, again, godly man. I don't want to say that he's not a false teacher. Um, godly man. But he preaches on something that I'm quite confident not three people in that room struggled with or were dealing with, you know, nobody. And he gets amens throughout the room mm-hmm. and the altars are mm-hmm. flooded and all these things. And I'm like, that's tickling the ears to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, he, this guy, and I love him, great guy, but he was preaching for the amens of the, the choir, you know, he's not trying to address truths that the people in the room need to hear really, per se. But Sure. Yeah. yeah. This is anecdotal, but for whatever reason, I've noticed this in my life. The people, if you make reference to the idea there's people out there who are, are tickling other people's ears or whatever, the people who most amen that for some strange reason are always guilty of it themselves. <laughs> I don't know why that well, is, but it's, yeah. there's a, there's something strange about that. I don't, yeah. Maybe it, it's the it goes back to what Jesus talked about, the, um, the speck in somebody else's eye. Well, <laughs> sure. I got a log in my own or whatever. It's harder. Hey, if it's a log's in your eye, you can't see. That's right. That's true. That's absolutely so, right. Well, I think we've given some practical advice here, um, but do guard, guard your heart, guard your ears, test the spirits. Um, like Pastor Matt said, if you are listening to somebody and you go, you know, I'm not sure if this is solid, sound, safe, come talk to us. Ask us. Yeah. You know, we're, we are not in the business of calling out individual people from the pulpit here because like Pastor Matt said, you can get in a lot of witch hunts doing that. But, yeah. I want to. but, if, <laughs> but, but if you come to us on a personal level and you yeah. say, Hey, what, what do you think about this this preacher? Yeah, especially we'll if it's somebody you like you really like. Man, I really like them. I, you know, I'm really into this. And celebrity pastors is such a weird thing. You know, anyway, and it, I yeah. mean, it's it's just come on the last. I mean, it's so recent, like yeah. Um, and well, it's become so popularized recently. There's so many more in the 80s them. or 90s. Yes. You had a handful. Now you have 
everybody. Yeah. yeah. And but, a lot of people aspire to be that. Yeah. Right? But I mean, like, it, you know, like one, hey, I really enjoy their books. I enjoy their preaching. Yeah, I would say go to a, a pastor that, that, that knows you personally. Don't just, yeah. don't do a Facebook question like, hey, what do you, what do you, because Facebook's a bad avenue for everything. But anyway, that's a different right. message. But go to somebody who actually knows you and sit down and say, hey, you know, what, you know, what do you think about yeah. this person? And maybe they can say, hey, man, I think they're solid or. Yeah. Well, a couple of things, and this will wrap this up because we're, we're diving deep. But one, Jonathan seriously, when he was on our podcast a few weeks ago, said something that I think is wise. And I'm not telling you not to listen to any um, popular preacher. That, that's for you to decide. But Jonathan said, I prefer not to. He said, I prefer to listen to you guys and people that I, I see how they live and I know mm -hmm. them personally. And so I was thinking about that from my, I listen to some pastors that aren't here that you can find online. Sure. But they're almost always people that I've interacted with in some way or another, or mm -hmm. I, I know about their lives. I know about their ministry. I do a little research. I don't just pop on this one guy and listen to him and listen to all the sermons and then go, mm -hmm. oh, I wonder if this guy's mm -hmm. good or not. I do my research on them, right. um, trying to make sure that they're a solid teacher. So I think that's wise advice for you. Don't yeah. just click on a Facebook clip and go, oh, man, this guy sounds good. Because um, yeah, that's part of Shepherd. Do your research. All right, that's going to conclude our deep dive. And we'll be back in just a minute to wrap up this week of the Words with Podcast. We are back to wrap up this week of the Wordsmith Podcast, all about false teachings, testing the spirits. What are your big takeaways um, from verses 1 through 6 here today? Don't listen to false teachers. But here's the deal. Like, I, I think that that can apply to pastors just as easy as it oh, could sure. somebody who sure. listens to pastors. Because we, like Josh Hampton said earlier, like we're not immune from that either because they're... Um, there could be, I mean, there, and there's all, all of us here probably have either commentaries or, or something, books by people that like, Hey, I, I agree with a lot of they, what they say. And mm -hmm. I mean, with a lot, they're, most of them are pretty solid and, um, but, um, nobody's infallible. We have to, everybody has to understand that nobody's mm -hmm. infallible and, uh, we could follow a false teacher just as easily as anybody, if if we're not in the Word, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like if we if we stay in the Word, I think I think the percentage of us following false teachers diminishes if we're staying in the Word, because mm -hmm. I believe the the Spirit of God moves through the Word of God to change the people of God and mm -hmm. uh, for the glory of God. Right. So um, I think you know those sort of things. I think diminishes our availability to false teachers. Yeah. I, I would agree with Pastor Shane that my takeaway is just, uh, you know, stay in the Word, but but just from a practical standpoint is um, it's not always easy. Uh, yeah. we, we just have to be aware. Uh, mm -hmm. We cannot just put life on cruise control mm -hmm. and just pop in on Sunday mornings. Um, Christianity is a full-time job, uh, 365 days a week, 24-7. Um, and when, I, in my own personal life, when I let my guard down, that is when Satan pounces. He prowls. Yeah. Um, he sends lions after me. Um, so for me, my takeaway is just keeping that guard up and keeping Jesus uh, 24-7, 365 days at the forefront of my life by being, like Pastor Shane said, uh, continually in the Word of God. Uh, verse 6 says, We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. One of the things I just kind of thought about was he says we. He, said, he doesn't say, listen just to me. He says, us. Listen to us, you guys. Um, I think one of the best, in terms of practical um, application, is get in a group of some sort. Small group, we have them here at Awaken. Um, a discipleship group. Um, just find some other people, other believers. Covenant with them. Be together and spend time when the, talking about the Word together. Because sometimes, I, I don't understand passages as well as somebody else and, and I'll hear someone else explain it and be like, oh, I've never even seen that before or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's no way of following Jesus just by yourself. You have to do it in community. 
And I think that applies just as much to studying God's Word and figuring out what it means and how it applies to our lives. It's great. In many ways, that's what this podcast is. Yeah. Because, you know, we all bring different ideas and things that we've read mm-hmm. and interpretations and history with the passages, and it becomes great. And so you can have that not even just with us, but with other believers mm-hmm. and um, discipleship relationships one-on-one. Um, definitely great. I, I think my takeaway is that false teaching is serious. At the same time, you can't be like Pastor Matt said, out for a witch hunt. I think it's it's a healthy thing mm-hmm. when somebody preaches and you go, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that's healthy because that means yeah. you're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm okay with going to a church where I go, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. Sure. But if that's, you're thinking that with like everything it says, <laughs> yeah. or if they say something that is, you know, obviously way off put or mm-hmm. the gospel that they are preaching, Bill Holt talks a lot about this, that there are a lot of different gospels that are being preached in America. And if the gospel is not the kingdom gospel, and there's another thing at the heart of it. And that becomes really dangerous. Um, there's a rapper named Shay Lin. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, in 2013, he wrote a song called False Teachers. I'm going to read a quote out of it uh, because I just like it. He says, don't be deceived by this funny biz. If you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God. Money is. I'm trying not to rap this, by the way. <laughs> Jesus is not a means to an end. The gospel is. He came to redeem us from sin, and that is the message forever I yell. If you're living your best life now, you're headed for hell. He got a, caught a lot of slack for calling out false teaching, but false teaching is serious business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's my takeaway. Yeah. He that, names them in the song. Yeah, I'm not, yeah we're not going to read the whole song. If you want to go listen to it, go ahead. Um, he does call out some people, you know, for, I mean, he just faces basically this person, false teacher, this person, false teacher. Like, yeah, he's calling right, them all right, out. Right. But, um, Anyway, I, I do think it's, it's important to know that this it isn't just, okay, oh, they're a false teacher, but I'll still listen to them. Like any yeah, of these apostles, bad. yeah, Paul, John, any of these, I'll be like, no. Like, <laughs> that's the point of these letters is yeah. if you identify false teaching, run as far away from it as possible. Don't go, oh, well, they say some good stuff. No, get away from it. Yeah. And it, and by, by the way, the these, these false teachers, the following false teachers, it hurt the unity of the body and it hurt their love for one another. Mm-hmm. That that's what it hurt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's what we want to keep. Man, it's been a great conversation this week, Josh. It's been great to have you with us on the Wordsmith Podcast. And for our listeners, you guys pray for Josh and their church in Missoula Summit Church. We've got to continue to use them to reach people for the kingdom. And we'll be back next week um, here on the Wordsmith Podcast. No matter how you listen to the Wordsmith, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, almost anywhere the podcasts are played. Like us, review us, share it with somebody, and we'll see you guys next week. Word.